Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in. It's the ninth, and as it turns out, final post-game podcast edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler, down to you. Sean Fitz with you. Late night here on a Saturday as Beaver Stadium was home to win number four in a row for these Penn State Nittany Lions who finish the Big Ten season four and five, and and we're just coming off of the news, uh, an announcement from Penn State that they have opted out of bowl game consideration, certainly with the brand, with the way they finished, there were going to be opportunities on the table. We've heard about a couple of different possibilities. This team ending up in North Carolina, maybe Arizona. They will end up home for Christmas. They will end up carrying a four-game win streak into 2021. And we're going to see a lot of changes come for this program. And hopefully a lot of changes come across college football in our lives be- before they kick off next in 2021. And the opener on the road at Wisconsin. We have a lot to figure out over the next nine months. But... Sean, I can't help but, as as we put some finality to the situation, look back at those dreary days in March when we were trying to reroute the podcast and keep everybody on board with us, listening to us, and, and really unable to promise there would be football this year. And, and even in August, it did not look like there would be football this year. Penn State, one of the very few teams in college football that made it to every single one of their kickoffs, played for those 60 minutes. One of two Big Ten teams that accomplished that out of 14 programs this year. So here we are. Uh, it finishes a lot better than it started, but we do know that it is finished. They're going out on their own terms, doing what they want to do. Uh, not not a huge surprise that they're not going to play a bowl game. You sensed a lot of uh, exhaustion, things like that. Uh, you know, these guys haven't seen their families since September uh, maybe even earlier than that for some of those guys. So, so you certainly get it. Uh, you can try and rationalize. Hey, you want to get to 500. You want to, you know, possibly it, it ending the season at five and five obviously looks a lot better than four and five. But at the end of the time, at the end of the day, I don't think it's really that much of a difference. You, you can go out losing or excuse me, winning four straight, taking some momentum in the offseason. You get to a bowl game. Obviously that game is not guaranteed. Um, but yeah, I think the, just a lot of exhausted guys on that, uh, in that building. I mean, uh, players, coaches, strength staff, and James Franklin even referenced the, uh, the student trainers and things like that. I mean, that's a, that's a long season for a lot of people going through these protocols over and over again. And, and to their credit, did a hell of a job with handling all that stuff and, and keeping a team on the field when it was, you know, that was half the challenge of college football this year. Um, so yeah, certainly commend them for that. But, yeah, I, I get the decision. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I think some people are going to be up in arms about, uh, you know, uh, quitting on the season, et cetera, et cetera, but they haven't been through it. They haven't done all this stuff. So I'm not, I'm, I'm obviously not throwing, throwing any stones at this on this end. No. And then I was honestly, this was one of those where we went into to tonight after the game and, and, you know, James Franklin told us that he was going to 
have a conversation with his captains and the leadership council and so you know veterans on the team about what they were going to do next um, I, I wonder how much of the groundwork for that was already kind of known wh- where it was heading going into kickoff today or honestly how much of it was a, a real-time discussion after winning this game by a score of 56 to 21 um, whatever the reasoning uh, it's it's their reasoning and, and 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 they were given the opportunity to do this with the support from the coaching staff James Franklin the support from the athletic director Sandy Barber to ultimately put this in the players hands that's what we gathered uh tried to ask a bunch of players you know whether it was me or other reporters in the post game uh zoom calls today Jahan Dotson Will Fries uh, Keaton Ellis uh, man for man it was hey that's going to be a discussion we have coming up we're not going to touch on it one way or the other not going to go down that road as as far as the conversation goes even talking about a potential 10th game for the season and um, good for them. They're, they're, they're at peace with the decision. I'm sure there was some debate in some regards, but it's a team that is, is holding their head high in a lot of ways coming out of this nine game schedule. And I just didn't think that was really a, a possible outcome. Just going back to Thanksgiving, Sean, that this team would be able to, to really walk out of here. And as Jahan Dotson said, four and five, you look at the big picture, that is nowhere near the standard that they want to set. And Jahan Dotson said they would not be pleased with that. But they can have their chest out a bit about how they finish off this season. And there's a lot of guys who, who stepped up and played key roles down the stretch during these four games, and particularly in this final game, that are going to be really important, that you're going to need to get back, get better, and, and build toward the future in 2021 so you can kind of show that that five-game sample size that we saw take place in October and November this year is ultimately just going to be viewed, viewed as the, the pandemic blemish that Penn State football went through, dealt with, and moved on from rather than any kind of quagmire that's going to sink the program long-term. If you can leave that in the dust, I mean, it, it obviously says a lot about the your culture. And, you know, obviously you, nobody's going to remember that the four teams that you just beat, not not great teams by any stretch of the imagination, but they were – nobody would have – you know, hey, you probably would have blamed him, but you, you could have seen them, you know, sort of kicking it in and, and really not dealing with – with the adversity that they needed to deal with at 0 and 5. Um, I'm not saying they would have quit, but you know, a lot of teams in that situation would quit. So they were able to make it, make it happen. Um, you know, I, the bowl season to me, uh, I, I expect to see more bowl games bite the dust over the next couple of days. Uh, you see, I think 17 is the number of, of programs that have opted out uh, so far. USC, who had a really, I guess, good year in the shortened year that they had. Um, they opted out earlier today. So not a huge surprise. I think this is going to be more of the norm over the next uh, couple of hours. And even by the time you listen to this podcast, it might be something that has, has come through. So, uh, it's been, it's been really, uh, interesting to see that because the bowl situation right now and the bowl experience for these players was not going to be anything. Basically, you're taking out the bowl trip. You're going to go down there the day before. It's like another game going to, uh, you know, uh, going to Illinois or Indiana, you know, on a Friday and playing on a Saturday. And, you know, it's very tough to see getting up for the guaranteed rate bowl at this point. You know, that's, that, that's really where I'm at in this situation. So you're not getting a bunch, you know, usually you get a couple of weeks for bowl practice. You get the younger guys some time. It's just like another game week tacked onto the end. And, you know, I guess, uh, you know, we, we saw in champions week in, in the big 10, a lot of schools are just ready to get this thing over with. And, you know, they, they, they've got the numbers and everything like that. And Penn state has avoided that, but at the same time, that's a that's a weary situation right there, and and for Penn State playing all their games and doing everything they needed to do, that's a long time to you know sort of be 
secluded from everything because it's not just not seeing your family. It's not really you know, having, as James Franklin said after the game, the Penn State experience, not really going out and seeing friends and doing all the kind of stuff that, that helps pass the time, you know, when you're a, a college athlete. So I think that's probably the other thing to think about is you, you get a chance to get outside the bubble. And I know that, you know, that's going to expose yourself to whatever, but at the same time, you don't have to come back and do those tests every day. You don't have to come back and, and do all the kind of stuff that would make this program the safe program that it's been. And then eventually you're going to get back, you're going to quarantine, you're going to do everything you need to do in the new year. Hopefully, you know, we're progressing in the, on that angle everywhere else. And, uh, you know, get back for spring and do what you got to do for spring because you, you're right. You can take something from this season now. And a month ago, you really didn't think that was possible. Momentum is there right now for, for Penn State. You're coming out of the early signing period, and we, we covered that a lot in the last podcast where there weren't any fireworks. There wasn't any uh, a big big fish that was reeled in during that three-day span. But you got to the finish line with all 15 guys on board that you hoped you'd get uh, to the finish line with, and, and there was a lot of reasons to worry about that, and you made it. And there were a lot of reasons to worry about where this Penn State nine-game schedule would take them, especially as that spiral got worse and worse and and they've managed to kind of spin out of it. I think there's certain personal narratives that have been adjusted and we're going to need to reevaluate at different spots on the field for Penn State, different positions on the field. And I think from the staff standpoint as well, we're going to come out of this thing maybe having a different look at some of these first year assistants, maybe having a different look at 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 what uh, you know what young players can accomplish in 2021 because of what we saw from them here down the second half stretch of the 2020 season. And there's no doubt in my mind, Sean, if it in the simplest terms, if you said, "Hey, do you guys want to play 60 more minutes of football together?" This team's feeling good about themselves. They understand that as soon as they hit the the reset button and the season's over, you're never going to have the same locker room again, just like any year. You're going to have guys transfer. You're going to have guys leave for the NFL. You're going to have guys get injured and not be able to play in 2021. It's just you never can clone a team and do it again. It's not possible. So you want to squeeze everything you can out of a lot of these seasons. And to Penn State's credit, there's a lot of teams that were just trying to, to stumble their way to the finish line and and just get home and, and, and hit reboot. This team felt like one where you get through nine games and you say, can we get a tenth? You know, you're, we're playing good together. We're feeling the the chemistry right now. You know, Keaton Ellis says he feels like this experience has has made this team closer. You think that's going to carry over in a lot of ways going into this winter, into this offseason. There's a lot more trust in place, and um, you know, you you talk man for man. I'm sure they they'd love to get 60 minutes on the field together again, but it's all the other logistical things, all the other things you have to work around those 60 minutes of football action right now that. That just kind of ruined the circumstances, take the, the fun of the bull trip away from it. We always see the parents and the family being so involved in the bull trips. And it's just like anything right now, Sean. If you've got a you know a, a wedding in Hawaii that's been on the books for, for 18 months and you've been excited to get there, the closer you get here and, and the way things are right now set up for our circumstances and our lifestyles, that wedding starts looking less and less appealing as you start to, th- to throw the logistics involved here in, in our current situation and what that wedding week might look like and the kind of experiences that you were hoping for. You might just be kind of cooped up in a hotel and then show up to the ceremony. Is it safe to fly? All these different things that we didn't think would be on the table as a conversation. Uh, it, it makes sense. And, and as we said, this was a decision made internally. No one was forcing them into a corner. No one was going to make them get on a plane or make them say no to a bowl game. And I think ultimately, whether you agree with it or not, whether you wanted to see a 10th game or not, whether we wanted to cover a 10th game or not and have a 10th postgame podcast, doesn't matter. As long as they feel right and this registers well with them, 
that's what matters because they're going to carry this season and, and look back and think about it some kind of way with a lot of mixed emotions. Everybody who was a part of this from the staff to the players to the, fa- to the family, to the parents, even the recruits who were involved with this whole year, it, it's going to always be something that stands out, I think, and, and there's going to be a feeling of missed opportunity in a lot of ways, and there's going to be a feeling of uh, being hunted by uh, the way things came out w- with, with key injuries, with, with the medical retirement, with the opt-out, with just not fulfilling expectations, but there's also going to be a point of pride in saying, Look how you came out the other end. That says something about this group of 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds and the men who are leading them in those staff roles. Well, we've gotten to weddings in Hawaii, so it's probably time we should switch gears and talk about the actual game uh, on the post game podcast. All great points by you. Um, but hey, how about that win over Illinois? That was, uh, ooh, that was, a, that was a roller, a bit of a roller coaster, uh, straight from the start. Penn State, of course, 56 to 21 over the fighting Illini, who obviously were down a bunch of players as well. Um, but yeah, it seemed like it was going to be a dogfight very early, although I guess before we got to that, it seemed like it could be a blowout as Sean Clifford hits Jahan Dotson on the first play. 75 yards later, he finds the end zone. And you're thinking, I mean, I don't even know if if some of our listeners got a chance to settle in and turn on the game by that point. I was, you know, doing something else and I look up and Jahan Dotson's running past the secondary. And all of a sudden you're like, huh, this thing might be over before it starts. And, uh, you know, it, it looked like it was headed in that direction. Uh, I mean, it was just a, a crazy game. I, mean, I, I don't know. Uh, we've seen some crazy games, but I don't know that we've ever seen a quarter uh, like the first quarter that we saw on Saturday night in Beaver Stadium. This was not a game conducive for bathroom breaks or checking the slow cooker breaks or even going to grab an extra beer because you may have missed a scoring play if you did that in the first nine, ten let's, minutes of this game. Let, hey, let's not get too <laughs> far out of hand here. Hey, yeah, the second half, you had a lot of room to do what you needed to do, especially regarding those brews. But in that first quarter, Sean, I mean, you catch your breath. Nine game, nine minutes in, Illinois is up 21-14. Nine minutes of game time ends, 21-14, Illinois is up. But before we go too far down that road, Jahan Dotson, six consecutive games now. Uh, in Beaver Stadium, where he has reached the end zone, uh, goes over 100 yards for the fifth straight game uh, at home this year. Six catches, 189 yards, two touchdowns, a 50-yard punt return that set the stage for another touchdown. But 75 yards to start us off, but it was like every time a Penn State player touched the ball from there on out for a while, something big was happening because you had Illinois respond with a nice drive. Brandon Peters essentially got the start, and that was about it in this game. The former Michigan quarterback finished with no pass completions. This was Isaiah Williams really running the show for them at quarterback, and he came up with, I think, almost 100 rushing yards in the first quarter. But he threw an interception. Keaton Ellis, the sophomore cornerback, stepping up, intercepting the pass, uh, right at the, right, really with the back against the wall for this defense uh, in, in their own end zone. And then right after that, you give it back. Sean Clifford fumbles the ball on a, on a 10, 11-yard pickup on the run. You think, uh-oh. Sean Clifford's turned the ball over, and it's early in a game. That's that's not good. Uh, James Franklin would later say in the press conference, this was one time he really was glad the mask was covering his face because he said some words that lip readers probably would not have uh, enjoyed deciphering and maybe read into it a bit on what he said to Sean Clifford. But ultimately, that turned out to be the only turnover for Penn State. 
But the very next time uh, that a Penn State player touches the ball after that, it's Lamont Wade giving them a 14-7 lead because Illinois goes and scores off the Clifford turnover. And how about that? Didn't we mention last week after the podcast, Lamont Wade looked about as good, as comfortable uh, as, as we've seen him returning kickoffs last year, last week in Beaver Stadium. He got a second chance to go out there and play in Beaver Stadium, maybe thinking that last week was his last opportunity to do that. He takes to the house. 100 yards, Sean, the sixth 100-yard-plus touchdown for a Penn State player on a kickoff return in program history. And Pretty amazing, amazing moment for a guy that has taken his lumps over the course of this senior season um, and came in as a heralded kid to think that in his final game at Beaver Stadium, he take he goes the distance with the ball in his hands. Um, that, that's a pretty special thing for the senior safety. It was really cool to see uh, just such a natural with the ball in his hands. He's always been that way, um, but obviously always been pegged as a defensive player. Uh, I mean, just kind of weaving, got a nice block from, I think Parker Washington was what was one that threw a key block on that, uh, on that return. But yeah, would have, uh, would have liked to see that, uh, you know, him get the opportunity for that, you know, earlier in his career. Didn't, didn't realize he, how good he would look, uh, back in that role. But yeah, it was really cool. Really cool to see Lamont Wade, uh, burst through. Anytime you get a senior that scores on what he called, I think, uh, likely his last game at Beaver Stadium. So he kind of, Left that door cracked. Um, I think it's a really cool thing. The odd thing about that is the last time we saw him in the first half, he came back in the third quarter. I don't know if he tweaked something um, or, or something of that nature, but it definitely seemed injury-related. I know some people hit me up uh, on Twitter asking why uh, Kaziah Holmes was back there the next time. It, it, it had to be some sort of injury because he didn't play defense either. Um, so that was that was pretty cool to see. But Penn State's defense – all of a sudden, uh, with or without Wade, uh, were, were, were giving up big plays. And that was not, uh, certainly not good. They came out, uh, Illinois came out with the trick play, got a big, uh, gain there. Of course, Penn State got the turnover, but on that second drive, Isaiah Williams with a 64 yard run. Um, Penn State struggled, you know, against the, the, the mobile QB. That's something you see fairly typical in the college game. Chase Brown scored on a 12 yard touchdown run. Daniel Barker's 38 yard touchdown catch and run was flat out embarrassing for Penn State. I mean, you had Lance Dixon get to the ball very quickly, track him down, and then just kind of got brushed off on a bad tackle. I think Jair Brown was the next guy through. He got brushed off and 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 Daniel Barker did the uh the, the key and feel the celebration. Injured, <laughs> yeah, they was, added a little salt to the wound on that touchdown after that. What is it? Hey man, you get there and you're you're at Illinois and you just lost your coach. Yeah, why not? You know, just have a have have a good time. Yeah, but Penn State definitely forgot how to tackle for for portions of this game. And all of a sudden you're down twenty one to set to, excuse me, twenty one to fourteen. Uh, what's your what's going through your mind at this point i mean you, you've got some interesting breaks going your way you got the big play to dotson you got the big play on kickoff but you also had the turnover that you know has come back to to get you so many times you got deja vu with with clifford turnovers early in the game really not a ton going on on offense although you kind of feel that something's going to happen i think they mentioned on the broadcast 18 scholarship players on defense for the illini that was going to come into play at some point. Man, the the five touchdowns scored in the first nine minutes, the longest time of possession for one of those possessions, a minute 37, which which was capped off by that Barker touchdown and twerk move uh, there to, to put them up 21 to 14. You're just like, wow, uh, th- this is like a track meet. How, how many guys are out in space? There just was not a lot of collisions out there. You weren't hearing the shoulder pads pop, and it was just uh, guys whiffing on plays on both sides of the ball. And, you know, Penn State, bing, bang, boom, scoring, but then all of a sudden you're still down 21-14, like you said. You thought, okay, let, let's see how it, how it turns out here. And Penn State then marches down the field, and the kind of 
recalibrated the clock a little bit because it was almost a five-minute drive. And, and while it was another touchdown drive, um, capped off by Will Levis, four-yard touchdown run. It was a fourth down call there, Sean. Fourth and three from the four, I believe it was. And Levis goes up the gut, reaches the end zone. He also had a nice pass completion along the way to Theo Johnson. So uh, we've seen uh, Will Levis now in the last couple games complete uh, three passes in each game. You're seeing a little bit more blend there. Um, also doing his thing as a runner. He got a hurdle in later in the game. He, he picked up another short yardage game. Uh, but, but I thought that drive, making it 21-21, uh, now you're just thinking, okay, clearly Penn State can move the football against Illinois. That's not really going to be a problem. If you can avoid the turnovers, you're going to be able to score points. Now, can the defense actually get its get its uh, you know get its uh, piece get its piece together a little bit here because it's been a total scramble and the rest of the way, Sean, we'll get into some of the numbers, but it's really as simple as that. Twenty-one to twenty-one after Levis goes in on the fourth down run. The rest of the way, Illinois possessions resulted in ten punts and one turnover. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. Uh, first off, those four first quarter stats: forty-two points total. I think the over-under for the game was like 53 and a half or something. Uh, they hit that in the first half. Illinois had 199 yards. 111 of those were on the ground. Averaged 10 yards per play. Penn State had 156 yards. Uh, touchdowns of 75 and 100 yards. Uh, 10.4 yards per play. Uh, defense was not a thing in the first quarter. Uh, just on either side of the football, Brent Pry's defense, I mean – this has happened, I think, in my opinion, way too often in terms of starting slow. And then you, of course, make the adjustments. And to their credit, they made really, really good adjustments because they turned it down or excuse me, they turned it around in the last three quarters. Um, but yeah, that's just a, a, something that just keeps popping up. We talk about these, these storylines that just keep coming up and it's, it's bad tackling, uh, linebackers out of position. Um, running quarterback has been something that, that has given them issues in the past. And it's just these same things that keep popping up. So, you know, you, you, you're not really thinking at that time, you've got three good quarters ahead of you. But at the same time, it's just like these things, they just keep coming, they just keep coming around. Well, the, you look at where things were at that point, you get a punt from Illinois, and you say, okay, you, you can stop this fighting Illini offense, imagine that. And by the way, I think through those first three possessions, after Isaiah Williams threw the interception to, to Keaton Ellis, so that the ensuing three possessions on which Illinois scored, uh, he had 80-plus passing yards, 90-plus rushing yards, uh, you mentioned the 64-yard run mixed in there, and then the two passing touchdowns along the way. The other touchdown from them coming with from running back Chase Brown on a 12-yard run. But, I mean, you were thinking, oh my gosh, this kid's putting on a dual-threat clinic. Williams finished with just over 100 r- rushing yards. He had 90-plus in the first quarter, Sean. So I think that really tells the story of, of where they went, and he finished with 120 passing yards by the end of this deal and really was not comfortable for, for much of the night as they were able to apply some pressure on him and keep him contained within the pocket. And Brandon Peters never resurfaced as, as a you know, component of this game. But you finally force the punt, and what does it do? Gets the ball back in Jahan Dotson's hands, and lately that has just been uh, a golden ticket for this Penn State football program. He raced 50 yards, Sean, put himself in a situation uh, where, where I thought he was about to go the distance again. And and, be, and and for the fourth time ever this century and the second time by him in two weeks, go over 100 receiving yards, have a punt return touchdown, stop short of the end zone, though, and, and that's followed up by two carries from Keziah Holmes. That's all it took for him to get his first college touchdown. And Penn State goes up 28-21 to at that point. They would never trail again, and it would never really feel like a close game moving forward beyond that. Yeah, I mentioned to you before we went on, I mean, the second half, you just kind of were watching it, but not really, you know, 
keyed into what was going on. I mean, the, all the score, I think it was just a, uh, one touchdown after the first the uh, first half, and it's just like okay, what or what are we what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of okay. If if you end the game right now, everything would be fine. So uh, that would that would be basically the theme of the rest of the game. But yeah, that second quarter, they they seem to get on the their uh, you know seem to get back around to where they needed to be on both sides of the ball. The offense really wasn't a big issue there in the first quarter or the first half, but you weren't getting the ball. You know, the defense was was putting yourself in a position where you weren't getting the ball. So that would be the the biggest thing to take away from that. Uh, Jahan Dotson, I mean, what can you say about this guy? He's been freaking phenomenal all year. Thirteen mall Big Ten. He certainly had a case to go higher than that. He showed on on Saturday that he's just going to keep putting up these numbers. And you know, you you've been saying the last couple of uh, podcasts that we've done he certainly has a decision to make, and that decision is is getting tougher and tougher because he's putting up these numbers. He's showing that he's got that speed, which is probably one of the biggest question marks that he's got with his game. Um, and it's uh, it's certainly I don't think anybody would blame him for jumping after a, a situation like this. But I mean, you can't say enough about Jahan Dotson. He's been the MVP of this team. Uh, I think there's very little doubt in that, um, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been really cool to watch the maturation of Dotson go from you know sort of uh, second fiddle or I guess third fiddle if you include uh, Pat Fryermuth with those receivers to KJ Hamler last year, and all of a sudden he's a number one, and there's there's no doubt about that. And I mean, he, I, I feel like you can certainly make a case that that he has been more productive at a consistent basis than KJ Hamler was. Um, I, that's not really a slight on KJ Hamler. It's just I, I think that Jahan Dotson has he's just been getting it done week in week out. He hasn't really had many drought games, and when he hasn't been the the guy who's making the loudest noise on offense, a guy like Parker Washington has stepped up, or it's been a Kevon Lee kind of dominant game. They haven't. Fortunately for them during this four-game win streak, they've they've seen him go for four catches, 30 yards against Rutgers, three catches for 30 yards against Michigan. They still win both those games, so that's a good sign. But you know he he's been such a such a guy who can carry the team on his shoulders when necessary. He was the reason that you got separation against Michigan State last week. Eight catches, 108 yards, the touchdown return for a touchdown, and this time six catches, 189 yards, uh, two touchdowns, and and the punt return that almost gets there. And two plays later, does get to the end zone. Just the last two games, Sean, 14 catches, 297 yards through the air, and and at home this year. Uh, he's just been remarkable. This Penn State team has not been very good in Beaver Stadium until late in the season. In fact, they, they had a few blowouts earlier this year, but he has caught at least uh, six passes in every single one of these games, and he's gone for at least 120 yards in every single one of these home games. And there's a lot of times where the rest of the offense, the rest of the team didn't really show up. Today, a lot of guys showed up, and he still shined brightest. Yeah, and there's uh there's there's some budding weapons on that offense, but you need somebody you know that that is consistent. I, I, think, I guess he had a drop today, but you haven't seen that much from Jahan Dotson. You haven't seen that much from the receivers all all, all season long. Um, but yeah, Dotson's just been that guy. And when you take into account what he's done on offense, and you add the special teams aspect to it, I mean, this is a guy that that teams are starting to fear. And you know, it's been uh, a weird season, a funky season, no doubt. But you weren't sure how much that. You know, a guy could emerge like that on this offense. So D- Dotson, especially a guy that's been around for a while. So Dotson has been, just been phenomenal. Um, obviously he's, uh, you know, going to talk some things over and have some, some questions. Receivers are a very tough place to break through, but at the same time, he's done a lot to, uh, to, to bump his stock over the last couple of weeks. Well, yeah, he, he entered, he entered this year, 40 catches to his credit. 
Uh, he's now over 50 receptions. I believe he leads the, the Big Ten in receiving yards still, and he's at eight touchdowns. Just among, among Big Ten leaders, it's an uneven playing field in terms of, uh, of of how that all plays out. But a third-team Big Ten selection, he certainly looked like a player uh, above that stature, although still all-conference, but uh, a guy that has really done it from start to finish uh, all season long. Had a huge catch on the road at Indiana in that matchup when they were rallying in the second half, and, and he has since then been, been the go-to guy and he has shown every little bit of ounce of being a number one target uh, for this Penn State offense. We're going to talk about the onslaught that awaited Penn State after they took that 28-21 lead uh, with the Keziah Holmes touchdown run after that Dotson punt. We're going to talk about a big day for freshmen that were involved. Uh, Holmes was one of three freshmen who scored for Penn State today. Uh, Stay with us here in the Lions 24-7 podcast as we review uh, the season finale, a 56-21 win for Penn State over Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. So where we left off, it's only, believe it or not, for all the scores we just went over and all the stats we just went through, it was one minute into the second quarter, Sean, 16 minutes into the game, Penn State has a 28-21 to lead on the Keziah Holmes, a three-yard touchdown run. Again, the first of his career it will be the first of two on the day. Uh, Penn State ends, ends up answering the bell again defensively. They get the ball back quickly, and we're going to get to some, some really impressive defensive uh, numbers and production in just a bit. But another long drive, you know, for, for a while, these were minute long drives, under a minute long drives. You have that, that, that almost five minute long drive where Will Levis scored a touchdown. But this one I felt was the backbreaker that Penn State delivered about midway through. It really took up almost half of the entire second quarter and showed that Penn State could, could, could get it done by being a little bit methodical. 50, 15 plays, 91 yards, almost seven minutes of, of time off the clock there. A lot of Kevon Lee involved with this drive, Sean, and he's the guy who ultimately punches it in. Uh, another impressive day for, for Lee. Devin Ford was one of several players that we'll discuss that were not involved in this game, not available to play. He got the start for the third time in four weeks, and, and he showed he can carry that load. 19 carries, including uh, this touchdown, which is his fourth uh, in the past six games. Yeah, they, they certainly leaned on him more as a number one back. It's the most we've seen of Keziah Holmes as well. He got 12 carries, so... Right there, I'm a math guy here, but 31 carries between the two freshman backs and, you know, some of that, I don't want to say garbage time, but certainly later, later on in the game. Um, nine carries for Levis. Yeah. I mean, that's the number you'll take. Just, that's the number, that's the number you'll take with getting the ball a little bit more to Kevon Lee and the game dictated a bit, but 
there was not as much of like volume for Will Levis. It was a lot more, okay, this makes sense. It's short yardage. Okay, this makes sense. It's near the goal line. Throw the ball a little bit here and there. It was nice not to see Will Levis getting to 15, 16, 17 carries again. Yeah, just, just, and I use hand quotes here, just 18 carries for the quarterbacks, and that includes sack numbers. So 13 carries for the quarterbacks, and I think, uh, you know, they had 24, 26 last week. So um, that's certainly worked out well for them. Kevon Lee looks like he's adapted to the cold a little bit. He showed you exactly what he is. He's a bruiser. He's not a guy that's going to break big, big runs or anything like that. Um, but he certainly did his job and was able to to get the offense moving. And I think you know when they went to him, I, there's no question to me when they when they leaned on those backs, they they did a good job of moving the sticks and keeping themselves in the field. Honestly, the the time of possession has really not been an issue this year. You've gotten a bunch of those really long, as you called it, methodical drives, and you know it's just a matter of getting the right points out of them. Today they were five of six in the red zone, getting all touchdowns. Uh, they missed a field goal at the end of the first half, um, but certainly more efficient there um you know it's been it, it definitely was a, a a turnaround there and in the sense of the last couple of weeks they seem to have leaned on the quarterback so long just to to, to get the yards to get the first downs to get things moving and it seems slower when you open it up you get the ball to your running backs you get the ball to you know, your backs out of the backfield your tight ends your guys on the line of scrimmage Jahan Dotson would end up taking a 70 yarder uh you know off the screen where I don't think Illinois was maybe lined up properly or at least within 15 yards of the ball. I don't know. I'm not a coach, um, but you should probably do that around Jahan Dotson. But the big story here was defensively. I mean, after the first quarter, which we've talked about, I mean, that was, that was some serious, there were some serious issues going on. Penn State, I don't know what kind of adjustments they made, but they gave up 30 yards total in the second quarter, 23 yards total in the third quarter, 21 yards total in the fourth quarter. 74 yards in the first three quarters after giving up 199 in the first quarter. It's a pretty good day of work uh, if you average it out for the Nittany Lion defense. I think Brent Pry would love to throw out the first quarter of this game, the second quarter of that Michigan State game, and have us focus on the body of work these last four games against Michigan, Rutgers, uh, Illinois, and Michigan State. Those two quarters stand out. You gave up 21 points and a ton of yards. Aside from that, though, we've seen this defense you know, really stand up and stand tall. The uh, Four consecutive punts on possessions for this Illinois team finishing off the first half. I think you're starting to wonder, okay, how much juice does this have? This team have left? They're missing some key players. They just had their, their most impressive offensive playmaker uh, opt out and focus in on the NFL draft. You got your future head coach watching from the sidelines doing a TV interview as I, I think as Jahan Dotson was scoring at one point. Um, so a, a lot of things going on where you're just kind of thinking, does Illinois have much fight left in them? And Penn State, that, you know, I think they follow that, what I call methodical drive that took up a bunch of the second quarter and said, eh, let's not waste any time. First play of the next possession after the ensuing punt, John Dotson goes 70 on that play where there was a complete breakdown by this Illinois defense. And I think at that point, the floodgates were open. You saw Penn State at 42 to 21 all of a sudden in the second quarter. Um, gave gave folks something to complain about at the end of that half, Sean, with uh, some some time management issues, and then the missed field goal, thirty four yarder for Jake Pinniger, which actually snapped an, an an eight eight field goal conversion streak for him. He had been on a nice roll. Uh, went went wide left on, on that kick, but 
Aside from that, you're just like, well, you know, just get this one to the finish line for Penn State. You're up 42 to 21. Uh, and then the, you put out those defensive numbers. 30 yards surrendered in the second quarter proved to be the most they would allow for any of those three remaining quarters. And they pitched a shutout for the final, fi- final 51 minutes of this game where Penn State's just kept scoring. So it, it, it ended up uh, adding up to a 56 to 21 outcome at the end of the day. Yeah, it was it was kind of night and day because you, you looked at that first quarter and Penn State was clearly on its heels, staggering there and kind of, you know, not looking to or trying to not make mistakes. And then the last three quarters, they're having fun out there. I mean, they're flying around, they're hitting, they're getting pressure on, on Williams. I think uh, four of 11 passing for 32 yards over the last three quarters two of 13 on third down. So you're pinning your ears back and going. I mean, that's certainly uh, 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 an attacking defense is, is always more fun to play. Brandon Smith turned things around. Jesse Lucchetta turned things around. Uh, had a decent day today. Uh, PJ Mustafer and Antonio Shelton got pressure up the middle. Shaka Tony got another sack. So uh, you had guys that were starting to, to stick out there on defense and make some plays. Um, it was just uh, – it was completely different. I, I, I don't know – what kind of adjustment was made? Um, you know, you want to get that. You want to get Williams to throw the ball. He's obviously not very accurate. Uh, this was a team in Illinois that was completing, I think, forty-eight percent of its passes coming into the game. Um, so this was not a team that was going to beat you through the air. Um, and once they, you know, stopped walking on eggshells and started going forward, uh, Penn State certainly took control of this game, and that's really where the turnaround came. And and Illinois just frankly didn't have a shot at at, at that point moving forward. Yeah, I think Shaka Tony got the 20 sacks in his career today uh, with that takedown. I believe he surpassed the 20-sack total. Um, yeah, so. eighth all-time at Penn State now, I believe. Um, so that's obviously some 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 big accolades for him. You, you talked about having fun. I mean, the body language has been very different. Just being in Beaver Stadium last week, it was very apparent as the game got underway. It was our first time seeing them back home since they had gone out and won a couple games. And you could see on the sideline, just jumping up and down, reacting to plays a bit more. And, and then on the field where it matters the most between the whistles, they're dictating to their opponent in a way that they just absolutely weren't the first few weeks. I don't know how much of it you attribute to the the preparation and how that was changed and, and maybe a conservative approach because of handling uh, coronavirus and, 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 and whatever that looked like on the practice field and team meetings and, and the lack of structure there or the lack of kind of uh, just things that seemed familiar and felt familiar and I don't know what that meant for the first five games. We're going to have to be you know, piecing that together over the course of this offseason. But they were getting dictated to so often and falling behind and, and getting buried and the body language wasn't there. And you just you, you wonder where the heck did the mojo go for this team after winning 11 games and ten, you know uh, and winning a Big Ten title a few years back. And, and, and you know, where is that? You see it now. It's it, you know it's a four win season, and I know that that's it's not going to be jumping off the page in, in the in the in the history books for Penn State. But I just think to be able to get some of that swagger back. I mean, for your coaching staff, for your players, you don't want to walk around the hallways of this facility afraid to look in the mirror all off season because you finished terribly. You know, you don't want to be afraid uh, to watch the film of every game. I mean, you can take stuff away from this, Sean, and 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 take the way you finish this uh, and, and and really carry it with you and and as a motivating factor uh, and and I'm going to not just say that for the guys who are going to be around on this roster, but there's guys who finished this thing off and, and really helped their case for playing professional football down the road. Whether it's a few weeks in a training camp or a 10-year career, uh, 
there are opportunities that were carved out in this final four games, including tonight, that I really wasn't sure if they were going to be there for the taking based on what we saw through the first five weeks of this year. Well, it's a lot more fun watching guys celebrate after making a tackle in the backfield than making a tackle 10 yards down the field. So that's certainly something to take away from that. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been one of those things where you just kind of feel the flow of the game and, and figure out what Penn State is trying to do. And today, uh, you know, you, they, they were trying to get to that point where you just break them. And that's uh, sometimes what you got to do uh, offensively and defensively, really. I mean, you could see that once again, we, we, we fall back on that talent gap and you could see it there. And I know Illinois was out some of its best players, but uh, they got tired, they got uh, frustrated, and they got uh, they got they got broken really, and that's really the the direction they went. By the way, Sean Clifford, sixteen of twenty two, two hundred eighty five yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, a lot of that, of course, uh, Jahan Dotson taking a couple of throws near the line of scrimmage and turning them into big games. But you know, he, he came back around and did. And Clifford did what he needed to do. Just one pick through those four wins. Um, that's certainly something to to take away as a positive for Sean Clifford. Um, I still think that you, you can't ignore the elephant in the room that Penn State's got to figure out that position in the offseason. Um, but at the same time, you know, when that, that quarterback position was steady, reliable, I guess we'll say, uh, you know, Penn State did some good things. And, and, and really, um, you know, Levis was able to pass the ball three of five for 42 yards through a nice ball to, uh, to, to Theo Johnson down the seam. Those tight ends, man, they that they've got something there and they, you know, you, you weren't sure about how much they would uh, incorporate those guys in the offense after Pat Fryermuth went to, to the shelf for the season. Um, but certainly Brenton Strange has been a, a sizable chunk of the offense, four catches, 31 yards and a touchdown. Theo Johnson, two catches for 42 yards. They both look really freaking good and they're both freshman eligible right now. You're looking for silver linings from some of the, the the frustrations of this year. Pat Frymuth getting hurt, of course, being near the top of that list, still getting a first-team All-Big Ten nod at the end of the day. But Theo Johnson got a lot more run than he would have otherwise. Brenton Strange had to step into it and, and, and really grow into his own and become more of a vocal point for Sean Clifford and, and establish that kind of rhythm on the field. Coming out of this season, he's a different player than I think he would have been as a, as a primarily a backup over the course of the year, you can look into the backfield of just today what we saw because of what happened at the top of the running back depth chart. You've learned a lot more about Kevon Lee and Keziah Holmes than any of us anticipated you would learn following their first year on campus. But you're absolutely right about that tight end room. We talked about the excitement of, of, of signing a guy like Khalil Dinkins, who's going to be on campus with this group um, a few months from now and, and, and adding to it. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's it, it, there's a reason that we've been high on this tight end room and you're seeing it reflected on the field. You're never quite sure if if the recruiting stature and the ranking stature and the good stuff you're hearing from the practice field is going to show up on Saturdays. And it has at that tight end spot. Uh, and, and, and that was apparent again today as Brenton Strange. What an effort by him to get into the end zone on, on that touchdown throw uh, from from Will Levis. And by the way, Sean, uh it was two touchdown drives is all it was in the second half, both of them by Penn State after that 42-21 to 21 score at the first half. Uh, a long one in the third quarter, a long one in the fourth quarter, nine plays finishing off with the uh, Brenton Strange seven-yard touchdown pass. That was with 20 seconds to go in the third quarter. And then just for fun and, and, and getting past 50 points here, uh, Keziah Holmes, one-yard touchdown run. Uh, he finished with 75 yards, I think it was, in those 12 carries. That was a 10-play, 79-yard drive more than five minutes off the ball and, and and along the way Illinois you know they got desperate they went for it on fourth and 10 in the Penn State territory Illinois did not move the ball very much they had a bunch of three and outs they had 10 punts 
they went for it on fourth down. Uh, I think at that stage it was still 42 to 21. Um, and Juice Williams was, was hit, uh, by Antonio Shelton. Ball was knocked free. Brandon Smith got it. It would have been a turnover on downs regardless. Um, and, and that was really the only time Illinois made any kind of noise on, on offense. And, and other than that, it was just, it was Penn State being able to empty that bench. We saw some of the veterans getting in there. We saw some of the young kids getting in there. And we were just talking about before we got on the podcast, it's been a long time uh, since it felt like you got to a third and fourth quarter and you got to have some fun with that roster a little bit. You had you had the staff, uh, you know, getting a chance to pat their guys in the back and say, "Hey, go get some reps, go make some memories, you know, go 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 make a play that you can put on a screen thirty years from now and say, "Hey, kids, that was me playing for Penn State." Because a lot of these guys do the dirty work on the practice field, and because of how these games have gone, hasn't been room to get them involved. So. Knowing what we know now, that this was the end of the road for the 2020 class, it was cool to see uh, Bruno and uh, Tank Smith out there getting some run. Tank, yes, you're <laughs> right. Uh, it was, it was. A, I mean, it was kind of like a DVR game. You just feel like you're going to fast forward through a lot of that stuff in the second half, and you know, the, there was the excitement at the beginning, the heartburn in the first quarter, um, but then once you got past that, I mean, you just kind of went through it. And Penn State missing a bunch of guys: Jason Away, Tariq Castro, Fields, Joey Porter. Devin Ford, CJ Thorpe among them, uh, regulars that we haven't seen some of them for, you know, quite a, quite a bit of this 2020 season. Um, but yeah, saw a lot of the young guys, saw some guys step up. I mean, Vanover was in there on the defensive line, Smith Filbert, uh, saw a couple different linebackers, saw Zariah Fisher out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool to see those guys out there. And, you know, those, those stats that we read off, I mean, Illinois scored 40, or excuse me, Illinois gained 21 yards in the fourth quarter. A lot of that against uh, backup guys, so that's cool for them. Uh, you mentioned Joseph Bruno. It was fun to fun to watch him run as a true freshman. He's going to be a guy that uh, certainly uh, would like to see the field. He's been traveling to games. He's been playing special teams, doing some things, and you know he's not a scholarship guy, so that's uh, it's always cool to see. So yeah, we, we we take some things from this. We still also need to recognize there are still big holes in this team. I mean, this is something that there's a lot of stuff that needs fixed. I mean, this is after all a four and five team. This is not a seven and two team or whatever we thought might be the case when, when, when we set out on this season. Um, but there's, there's holes there. You got to figure out quarterback in the off season. Um, that's going to be the biggest thing along with getting that offense in with whoever's going to run that offense. So, um, you know, again, this, I think it's going to be quite a different team than what you saw for most of the year and, and especially this last month of the season when they're doing what they need to do to win the game. But once you get a full playbook in, you'll get a chance to, to, to get uh, a little better feel for what they're trying to do. Um, we expect attrition in the offseason, both to the draft and, and the portal. We expect Penn State, as they said it on signing day last week, to sort of lean on the portal and fill some of those gaps. So, it's going to be uh it's going to be an exciting offseason. It's going to be a lot to talk about this offseason at least and you hope they can get back to some sort of normalcy and you hope that they can get back to spring ball and get those uh practices in there that they, that they need to to expand that offense to do what they have to do to get back uh and get on track. Name you won't see in the stat sheet that did get involved a little bit some we talked about earlier this season Taquan Roberson, uh the redshirt freshman quarterback who um, we, we wonder how he fits into the grand scheme of things with Kirk Shiraka and his quarterback plans. You're, you're adding Christian Veyu here in, in just a matter of weeks as a true freshman to that group as well. Micah Bowens came on board in the summer. Uh, Roberson, no passes, uh, no runs today. 
but uh, got some snaps. Maybe would have been nice to have seen him there a bit earlier. Uh, but at this point, you're, you know, six fifty six to twenty one win. You're poking holes in that uh, after what we saw through the first five weeks. You're in a pretty good spot. And, and Sean, by the way, a few years ago, two thousand eighteen, this was a, a an Illinois team that was trailing only twenty one to seventeen in the second quarter. Uh, Penn State ended up winning that game sixty three to twenty four. So Penn State has a way of uh, of of taking some uh, lumps early uh, against this Illinois squad and then just surging forward. Uh, reminded me a little bit of that matchup, which I think was a big one for Miles Sanders uh, back there on the road in twenty eighteen. But here this time around, Sean, game number nine uh, out of nine, they 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 got it done. Uh, they would have had a chance to play a bowl, and they're turning it down. Just talked about that for a while. I think we're going to come back, regroup a little bit, and maybe get our thoughts together now that we know it's done. Because honestly, waking up today, I kind of anticipated this was the second-to-last Penn State game. We know it was the last. We'll come back next week, kind of break this down, eulogize a bit on the 2020 season. Uh, but anything else to, to add from this Illinois-Penn State matchup? Again, a 56-21 uh, to 21 victory uh, for Penn State. And this is a program, by the way, um, that did not exceed or reach 30 points in regulation through the first seven weeks of the year. They got to 39 last week. They get to 40-plus by halftime this week. You wonder how things are moving with Kirk Shiraka. You wonder what that might mean. Sean Clifford, really quickly, Sean, seven touchdowns, two total turnovers in the final four games, first five games, no wins, and you had 10 turnovers out of your starting quarterback, and he was benched along the way. Very compelling to see what that four-game sample size and, and what kind of his journey with Kirk Shiraka is going to look like going into January, February, and ultimately, hopefully, resurfacing with some semblance of spring practice, which you did not get. Um, a lot to learn, a lot to learn. But the good thing is we're not basing off uh, of the 2019 season. I, I We feared that maybe going into 2021, all of our conversations would still be connected to the Cotton Bowl in Dallas and trying to take things away from that still, which is very hard to do. We got nine games, Sean, and and uh, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for you, and certainly more important for our listeners for for hanging with us late here on Saturday nights, or waking up early on Sundays, or getting to it on Monday. Um, that been some tough conversations, but we get to finish on kind of a high note here, uh, reviewing this team and, and giving them a little bit of praise because it wasn't always easy to find praise uh, for for different segments of the season. And I think we said it after the Michigan game. These are a lot easier to do after wins. Yes, they uh, are. we are. We are thankful for four wins in a row because of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly a team, um, that's going to be in transition in this offseason. I think there's a lot to learn about this team. There's, I think there's a lot of, of we'll see. You know, we, we'll see what happens at quarterback. We'll see what happens in the offense. We'll see what happens in the portal. There's just a lot of we'll see with this team. Um, so, you know, it's, it, I'm certainly looking forward to it to figure out what, uh, you know, what pieces need to come together, whether that's staff pieces, whether it's personnel with, uh, with the players, whether that's new faces and things like that. It's certainly, um, you know, a lot to look forward to, uh, you know, in this offseason. And, you know, you hope those first four games, excuse me, those first five games are somewhat of an anomaly and you get back to where you've been for the last couple of years. And, you know, when you get back into normalcy, is this, is this ship righted? I, I mean, I, Certainly have my doubts based on some of the stuff we saw this year, and you can't lose sight of the 
the warts that this season presented to itself, both on the roster and you know in in every other department in this uh, in this program. So I mean, we'll, we will see what what le- what lies ahead. We'll probably be back to sort of eulogize this season at a later date. I don't think this is probably the the proper time to do so. Get back and and take a look and see what's out there. But we'll be back next week with I think one episode. It's a holiday week, so probably just one episode next week. But I think there's a lot to talk about in this off season, and we're looking forward to. Uh, having you follow along with us and if you've been waiting for the offseason to figure out what the heck's going on recruiting now's your time the last couple of weeks uh, last couple episodes from this week we went over all the early signing period stuff so if you've been missing that or you're confused by the whole situation with a game day going on go back check those out full coverage of this class and sean penn state uh not alone in that will see category they were one of only five big 10 teams that got the four wins here in 2020 i think we'll see looms large across the conference, looms large across college football um, and and America, quite frankly, as we move into a new year. But here in Happy Valley, got a lot to learn. We'll be with you every step of the way. Thanks for for keeping the faith with us when it didn't look like we'd have football at all. And thanks for sticking with us when that football wasn't very fun to watch. And at the end, rewarded with a nice win streak here. They'll carry a four-game streak into the 2021 year. For now, stepping aside late on a Saturday night, I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. This is the Lions 24-7 postgame podcast. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.